From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Evanish talks to us about how he made the big time where he is at starting a new position as a strength and conditioning coach at a public high school. And he elaborates on what it means to coach athletes, how you'd want your own children to be coached. And we have a rare candid conversation about salaries in our profession. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. High school coaches, listen here and check this out. If you've always wanted gym wear but never had the budget, we have some big news for you. Gym wear and Flex are now together in one place. The Flex hardware now integrates with Gym Aware's team app and cloud, giving you more data than before. Teams with smaller budgets can access the same technology the professionals use without breaking the bank. Before locking in your next weight room upgrade, be sure to reach out to the team at GymAware first. For more information, head to the website and let us get you the best product for the best price. I'm telling you, you can have a cost-effective, accurate VBT technology and GymAware right in your weight room. Check them out at GymAware.com. This episode is brought to you by Play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at Play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Zach Evanesh. He is currently the founder and owner of the Underground Strength Gym, which is quickly approaching 20 years, going strong in the business. He's the co-host of great podcasts like the Spartan Up podcast, and he's the host of the Strong Life podcast, author of multiple books, including a really famous one right now, is the, Encycl the Encyclopedia of Underground Strength Conditioning. He's also founded the underground strength coach certification and the strength and sports coach certification. He's had multiple different manuals and tutorials. He's the state director of the NHSSCA. He is a strength and conditioning coach at Middletown high school South. And he's also doing strength and conditioning at Rutgers university. He's done in strength and conditioning at Lehigh university, multiple speaking engagements and presenter and literally He's everywhere in the strength and conditioning game. He's a family guy and a business owner. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Man, who who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. But you know, thank you for being on the podcast. Now, could you tell me? And it's going to be hard, but can you tell me about your role with the Underground Strength Gym and also everything else you got going on? Oh yeah, 
So uh, I am approaching about the end of a two-year mark where I am a uh, full-time strength coach at a high school, at a public school, which is a <clears throat> becoming, you know, that's a very new thing in New Jersey. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, I know you interviewed a uh, house and his mm -hmm. son, Peter, yep. he mentioned, you know, South Carolina really being ahead of the curve and Georgia, Florida, Texas, New Jersey. This is a very new thing to have a full-time high school strength coach. So I do that during the day. Then in the afternoon and evening, I've got the underground strength gym and we've got a staff of two coaches um, that we work together. And then like, you know, I'm recording on the phone with you, which I, I try not to do, but I coached this morning. I just dropped off my daughter and her friend at tennis and now <laughs> uh, driving back and I'll be coaching, uh, you know, at my gym later in the afternoon. And what I've been trying to do is uh, a little less coaching at the underground strength gym and more, more freedom in the afternoons and evenings with my kids. Cause my daughter's going to be in high school. My son is entering seventh grade. So I really try to uh, never miss um, a game, a match, whatever they have going on. Once in a blue moon, I'll miss something like if I'm holding a certification. Um, but uh, like at my own gym right now, I don't coach on Thursday, Friday or Saturday, which leaves this open. So on, you know, uh, it's not baseball season now, but during baseball season, I take my son to every Friday, Saturday, Sunday game and tournament. Uh, last Friday, I took my daughter. She was Friday, Saturday to her tennis. So uh, I honestly don't know like what that is in me, but it was like that from day one. It would like break my heart if I missed time with them. And so I've always uh, enjoyed the being, you know, in the private sector of being able to craft my own schedule kind of craft my business to match my lifestyle versus adjusting my lifestyle to work around work. And so, you know, my years at the college level didn't offer me so much flexibility and especially working with wrestling, you're not going to be able to go on vacation when the kids have a uh, winter break. And uh, that to me, you know, I've had this conversation with uh, Ronnie is like, dude, how much money can they pay you to miss Christmas vacation with your family? And the answer is not enough. You just can't, you know, it's got to be life changing money that gives complete freedom to my wife and kids. That would be the only way I could do that. So I really try to value and put uh, I put value on time, not just my time, but <clears throat> another coach's time. So if I'm interacting with another coach, I'm all in. I'm not wasting their time. I'm going to make sure it's, of, you know, it's beneficial to them. <clears throat> and so, uh, yeah, time is something that is on my mind a lot, I guess you could say. For sure. And when did that, that change up for you? Because you're everywhere in the strength and conditioning game and you are a very strong presence. And I guess... I normally say this question a little later in the, in the podcast, but like, what would the advice you'd tell the, that younger coach where, you know, what we see on the outside looking in is Zach Evanesh is everywhere. He's taking care of business. He's found a way to multiply himself and like be everywhere, but it took a while to get there. You like your underground strength gym has been around for 20 years. You've been working and grinding it out for a while to create that, that, that 
brand and then where is it at now where you could be like look i i've been there and this is where it's about like you said it's time it's time with my family and i got a lot of respect for that yeah so um there's certainly some ebbing <clears throat> ebb and flow to it there's times where i am busier and don't get as much time with the family but what i did was i made sure to leverage things that i was doing in the gym and then I could multiply it online to impact people. And I, I think I got lucky because I learned it in the early days. So when I first started getting into the strength and conditioning business, I came across uh, Ryan Lee, who he's no longer doing all the um, marketing lessons for coaches, but he did it in the beginning. And he, you know, if I invested in something from him, I mean, talk about getting like an infinite return of investment. So the, the first program I bought from him was $97. It could have been $1,000 because I'm still using that information today. But the one thing he said was, you know, back then, strength conditioning was kind of a new word in the early 2000s. You had strength coaches, but most people were considered trainers. So he created this course that I invested in and he said, Hey, instead of being that kind of coach that does eight hours a day and kind of burns him or herself out and you're always on this runaround, why not do four hours of coaching two to four hours of online? As soon as I began training athletes, I would take photos and Ryan was talking about, um, creating work. So whatever you do in your gym, just duplicate it and turn it into a training course, turn it into a DVD, so on and so forth. So I did that back then. And now the media is different. So instead of putting it on a DVD, it's a downloadable course. It's, you know, on YouTube, it's on Instagram. And I did it because I was so passionate to help athletes avoid my mistakes and then as a coach, kind of climbing up, I started getting outreach from other coaches. And that told me, hey, coaches want this information. I'm going to create the thing that they're asking for. And I knew that I didn't want, I, you know, many of us coaches have kind of that ADD where we need that change. And so I like spending, you know, I'll coach for two to three hours. Then I'm online for two to three hours. You know, then I get cabin fever if I'm in front of a computer for too long, then I get outside. So for the coaches who are um, <clears throat> in the private, not in the private sector, college or high school, you know, I mentioned Ronnie's book, Strength Coach CEO, all the time, because we've really learned, especially with COVID, when budget cuts were happening, that there are just no guarantees in this industry. And so you've got to be able to count on yourself and have something that allows you another form of income to diversify yourself. So if I think of like a coach who might be at a university or even a pro level who is working with basketball or baseball, and he is consistently putting out information for basketball, look, if the response is great, then create a product on basketball training. This way, God forbid something happens, you've got a source of income. Or while you're making income from the high school, the college, the protein, you're also making income 
from people all around the world who want to learn from you. And I think that our, you know, willingness and desire to learn that that's something I had a conversation with last night with a friend of mine, Matt Nickel. He's up in um, Canada and he's been working with pro athletes for 20 plus years. And he said, when he takes an intern, he's looking for character. He's looking for this hunger, for this desire to learn. And he said, I'm not telling you, you've got to clean bathrooms and, and go get me lunch. He goes, but those are things you should want to do because you have this hunger and this desire to learn. And I think what we've gotten away from is free, uh, information is so freely and readily available that people, you know, kind of going back, I want to said earlier, they don't respect and value time. They don't respect and value information as much as I guess somebody like myself who had to pay for everything in the early two thousands. I could not find Ron McKeefrey's email. I couldn't do it. If I wanted to talk to Mike Boyle, I couldn't email him. It was nowhere. I had to pay to get inside of a private forum to ask him a question. Now we've got, of course, podcasts and, you know, so everything that I paid for is now everything that is free. But why do I take action with it? Because I know that I respect all the information. And so for those younger coaches out there, you want to leverage your knowledge and information and start sharing it. And then as people start um, communicating with you, hey, Isaiah, I love what you're doing with that baseball team, with that volleyball team. That can be something that you could create. That can become a course. Or you may end up speaking at a conference about that very thing. Then you record it. Then that becomes part of your resume. And so I, I just know that everything that I do has some sort of opportunity to impact more people. Not necessarily, you know, people listening might be thinking, oh, he's just trying to sell everything. For me, you never know when somebody's coming across your information and then finding it of value. Some, you know, you're saying, hey, Zach, you've been everywhere. I guarantee you 90% of the listeners don't even know who I am, you know, because there's so much information and noise out there. And um, that's why it's okay to repeat information because people are not going to go and dig up my YouTube videos from 2006. You know, they might only just kind of look at what's on the front page, but as a young for my advice for young coaches is man, when you've got free time and you don't have family, kids, and a lot of uh, responsibility, Get in your car and travel and sleep in your car or, you know, bunk with another strength coach and find a way to intern and shadow and get these experiences happening that you will not be able to do, you know, at this age. Like uh, I would have loved to have traveled to Texas for that Texas. Um, I don't know what was called the Texas Coaches Association where Coach Saban just spoke at. Man. But I've got, I can't remember, last weekend was my daughter's tennis, then it was this, then it was that. When you don't have those responsibilities, get in the car and drive. And I did, I got into this field, Isaiah, kind of late. You know, I was a uh, fifth-year teacher, right? It was like, yep, I was a fifth-year teacher. It was actually the end of my fifth year because I had torn my ACL. So 
when I started going to seminars, I was a sixth year teacher. I'm 28 years old. And what, what am I doing? Calling out sick on a Friday to drive to Florida from New Jersey to go to a seminar. Seminar finishes on a Sunday. I drive from Florida back to Jersey, sleep for three hours. I'm back to work on a Monday. So I didn't have a fresh start where I was just a strength coach. I was teaching during the day, during my prep. I was writing articles on my website before there was such a thing as blogging. You know, I was finding time to work, finding time to learn. I would once a week call up Louis Simmons and get on the phone with him. He would answer the phone from his house. That's where they did, took orders from a house line. And so I think people today take for granted information. And I really encourage people to value information and to value time because it's not just, you know, if I'm going to have a conversation with Joe Ken with big house, I'm not just spending an hour with him. I'm getting an hour of his time that took him 30 plus years of experience to share with me. That's how I want people to understand information. You know, what did it take for somebody to acquire that information? Look at it. You're going to look at it much differently. No, yeah, that's, that's impressive. And, and I know most of our listeners definitely know who you are, but you know, that it just, it's a testament to you for being, I guess, hungry for that long, you know, being willing to I'm still hungry, yeah, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. It's tough. It's tough. Still hungry. No, that, I think that's impressive. And I think that's a really good lesson for the, the young coaches and, I get it. And I, I try not to sound like an old, an old head trying to be about like, look, I tell my <laughs> interns all the time. I was like, you don't have a wife or a significant other or kids. Like there should be no reason like why you're not just absorbed and like trying to get as much information as you can reaching out, going to different things. Cause it's, it's different. You know, it's a, it, it's a tough, it's tough to manage, but we make it work. Now the, everything that, is kind of associated with you for the most part is underground. So I wanted to ask you, what did underground mean when you started it and what has it more, uh, you know, evolved into today? Dude, such a great, I haven't had this question asked in a long time. So uh, we went down to Florida when my daughter was like 10 or 11 months old, we went down during um, the uh, spring break of teaching. So my wife organized this, vacation. Uh, we go down. It's uh, my wife, my daughter, her parents, and my buddy Ryan Lee had moved to Florida. He was from Connecticut. He had started a supplement company. And so we're down there. I give him a call. I tell him we're in the area. He's like, come over tonight, have dinner with the family. We're having dinner at his house and kind of talking about the direction of my business. Am I going to open a gym? Because at the time I'm training people out of my house and I had a membership site, I had products and I'm also teaching. And he says to me, he's like, man, I think you were put on this earth to make people strong. And when he said that to me, I was like, that's it. I got to open a gym because at that time, Isaiah, I could not figure out the online business. In fact, still it, it confuses me and still eludes me. And, the guys that were crushing it online were talking about like, hey, train just out of your house with dumbbells and body weight and don't train longer than 30 minutes. Those guys were killing it. You know, these guys were 
making multiple six figures selling ebooks mm. and they had like six pack abs and I was kind of like a thick built, you know, <laughs> hybrid powerlifter, bodybuilder, yeah. wrestler. Yeah. I was lifting stones and, and, you know, lifting, um, uh, sandbags and homemade equipment. And I did not fit in at all. And I, I really felt like an outcast, not an outs. I felt like an outcast. I really felt like I didn't have a place in this field. You know, there were some big names out there that would talk rudely about me. And I hear it. They'd, they'd be like, that guy, Zach Ebnish, he's an idiot. He's stupid. Da, da, da. And I remember saying to myself, wow, you know, this guy's doing seminars all around the world. What's what's he so worried about? And I realized that, man, our our athletes, I was training baseball players, wrestlers and football players. They were kicking ass basketball players. I was like. I think they're, they don't like that a guy is doing it without all the flash. And so while I'm speaking with Ryan at his house, he's like, uh, you know, telling me that, man, I think you were put on this earth to just make people strong. And so I started realizing, you know, maybe my place is not trying to teach somebody how to train with body weight and dumbbells only. That's not what I truly believe in. And so one day we're on the phone, he's interviewing me for his membership website, which he sold to Mike Boyle, which is now uh, strengthcoach.com. But he's like, describe your training to me. I'm like, man, I don't really follow any rules. I go, I do some bodybuilding stuff from the golden era. I follow powerlifting stuff that Louis Simmons talks about with this conjugate method. I'll follow thing that gymnasts have done and, and that I went through in college. I had a gymnastics wrestler and he, I was like, we don't follow the rules. We're, you know, we're not, we're not, um, we're just underground. He's like, that's it. You're the underground strength coach. So what I was doing back then was training with sand weights. Then I would train them in my backyard carrying tree logs. Then we'd go to the, to the playground and I would have them like pressing picnic tables. Cause I remember seeing a documentary on inmates in California had no weights. So they'd get under the picnic table and bench press them. They'd get on one end and press them. And they were doing like um, jumps on the table and Bulgarian split squats. They didn't know what it was called. So I was like, man, I'm using training that I saw inmates do. And then I'm kind of pulling workouts from what Rocky did in Rocky three and four. And so I was training with all these different elements in a gym, in my backyard, out on a field. And so underground was like, we're not following the rules. We're just kicking ass. And then ironically, you know, last year with COVID, now you see everybody using sandbags and stones and they were like trying to sell it. And I was like, we didn't use that because it looked cool or I was forced into it. I started using sandbags because it worked. And Josh Henkin, you know, who had started a lot of that sandbag training, he had uh, spoken about and introduced me to Brooks Cubic Dinosaur Training, where there was a book written in 1974 <coughs> called Wrestling Encyclopedia of Physical Conditioning by John Jesse. And dude, that's before I was born, but he's training with sandbags swing bells. And so a lot of that odd object stuff was done decades and decades ago. 
but it was kind of like in a one book, two books. And so I started using it. It produced results and I wasn't sold on the only, this is the only way I liked that. There were many ways to get people strong and fast and tough. And so now I think underground people don't really get it because when the biggest loser started having grandmas flipping tires, I was like, Oh, I remember <laughs> saying to myself, Oh shit. Like now <laughs> it's mainstream. It's going to be mainstream. Right. And so when we flip tires, we went to a tire yard and I would bring the yeah. guys bagels and coffee. And the guy would take the forklift, pull down tires. He would like use the forklift to shake the water out of them. And me and my wrestling buddy went to flip tires the first time we did it incorrectly. And I remember our arms were so sore for three to four days. He's like, dude, I could barely hold the steering wheel of my car because we just destroyed ourselves. And so we were flipping tires that were, you know, the lightest ones were like 600 pounds. We didn't know. Now people are flipping tires. I mean, they got like seven-year-olds flipping tires. And so it became like a fad. And then underground was no longer underground. They thought it was like under the ground. And so I was like, oh, man, it like as the Internet, you know, I always say, like, thank you, Internet, when you see something crazy as things became popular. Now it's no longer underground. It's no longer this lesser known kind of thing, like an underground fight club, so to speak. And so that's also why I repurposed my certification, because I felt that people looked at underground strength coach as something that does not sound intelligent or marketable. Like if I stood in front of a crowd or if you went through my certification, no matter how awesome the information is, if you stood in front of a crowd or were going through an interview, you can't say I'm an underground strength coach. It makes no sense to people. And so I never said Zach Evanesh is a strength coach. I look at my early articles from like 04 and it says Zach Evnish is a strength and sports performance coach because I utilize any means necessary to improve performance. And so that's how the SSPC cert came along is I would study what did sprinters do? What did Charlie Francis do? Okay. How can I borrow from Charlie Francis who was a sprints coach and apply it to a non-field athlete, such as wrestling. And so I would learn from Charlie Francis. Then I would, you know, I learned nutrition in the early 90s from bodybuilding. And then Dr. Mauro Di Pasquale sharing, you know, the keto diet in the early 90s. And so I don't like to discriminate against any form of training. There's many forms. But, you know, in a world of business, You've got to be able to brand yourself a certain way. And I think sometimes underground strength scares people. In fact, you know, I honestly think, and you've probably seen it, strength is almost like a, like a taboo word. Like it's almost like a bad word. They think if you talk strength, that automatically means you're going to be slow. You're going to be injured. You're going to be fat and out of shape. They don't understand that, you know, sprinting is strength work. It's, you know, absolute strength work if you're doing it for short distances. And so even the words we use, unfortunately, the people who are maybe not as educated 
they may not see it. Like, for example, you're looking at my gym, you see underground strength. You think, oh man, they only, they don't, they don't, they don't do any stuff that's related with sports science. It's just dumb strength work. And so you got to be careful in the private sector of how you choose a business name. Even Um, unfortunately, you've got to be put yourself in kind of the shoes of the consumer. And I always tell this to other coaches, like, look, if a mom or dad comes to you and say, Hey, my son needs to work on first step quickness, core work and agility. But let's say the kid is like a baseball player. Well, how much agility does the baseball player really need? But you're not supposed to argue with the guy. You're just supposed to say, yeah, absolutely. We're going to work on that first step quickness and their core strength. That's because those are the words they know. You're not trying to turn them into a strength coach. And so you have to really understand the psyche of people, even if you're not in the private sector. You know, Brett Bartholomew always talking about buy-in. Something that I'm working really hard on now is, you know, the high school I'm coaching at, I feel like our football team is very divided. So I'm trying to really get my learn on with things that Brett Bartholomew and Jeremy Boone are doing with leadership, with building more leaders. Um, My buddy Carlo Alvarez said he was at this Texas high school sports clinic that Nick Saban spoke at. And he goes, man, I wanted to join his football team right then and there. He goes, he had such insight into building leaders, building young men, the differences in recruiting from division three to division one to division two to the NAIA. He's like, he had such a pulse on everything and understanding how to get into your psyche. He's like, dude, I I was ready to run through a brick wall and join his football team, you know, and (laughs) Carlo has been around coaching for, I guess, close to 30 years now from the professional to the big high schools. And so I am trying to take these lessons from private sector, college, everything, and kind of blend them together. And I guess the reason why I do both, you know, Isaiah, is because, you know, man, I, I've when I've been at the division one level, I was always brought in as an outside contractor for wrestling. So I never applied for a job. They reached out to me to fill a role that was not being fulfilled by somebody else or somebody was leaving. And then being able to see the inner workings of a few colleges was to me uh, a bit heartbreaking because there was not a whole lot of, Man, what's the word I'm trying to say? Um, you know, the the way it was put is like the only guarantee is there are no guarantees. They don't care if you're 53 years old and you're doing a great job and your kids are sophomores in high school. They'll let they'll cut you. You know what I mean? They won't. And so to me, that is a big reason why I've always got private sector stuff going on. Because if I ever am back in the college setting, you know, it's got to be a hell's yeah or a hell's no. If, if it's if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. I'm out. It's got to be, you know, of, of great benefit to my family. It's got to be super cut and dry. It's on, you know, one side or the other. 
And so for the coaches out there, you know, listening, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself and your family and making them a priority. And so now that I've gotten older, I stand up for those things. You know, somebody posted a, a full-time job at a division one university on Twitter. And I said, I can't support that because it's, you know, $19,000 and change a year. It's three sports and there's no benefits. And I said, I cannot stand behind that. I love the coaches who are at that school, but I can't retweet and encourage somebody to apply for a job that pays them, I don't know, 450 bucks a week full time with no health benefits, you know, get health benefits and pay the person to go through grad school, you know, or, or give them some freedom to do something else outside of there. And, um, you know, one of my buddies, you know, you, you know him, he, he's been around a long time. He goes, Zach, there's nothing professional about the strength coach profession. And I was like, dude, that shit is heartbreaking to hear that. And, I've, you know, maybe that's extreme, not say nothing professional, but um, we see a lot of unprofessional things that hurt people and hurt their family. And it's like and, and people don't care. And so to me, I can't stand for that. And so when I turned down on my last offer at a division one university, I cried. And the reason why I cried was because I loved those kids. I loved that team. I loved that job. But if I would have said yes to it, I would also would have been supporting shitty pay, shitty schedule. And I would have been supporting the very thing that we're trying to change in this field, which is a better schedule, a little more freedom, a little more family time, a little more money, you know. And so the strength and conditioning field, you know, when I saw that job at less than 20 grand, I said, dude, that's two squat racks with a barbell and bumpers. Each squat rack with a barbell and bumpers is going to be 10 grand. You tell me we can't invest in people. We can only invest in stuff. And so I want to see those changes. That's what I want to see. We'll be right back. The GymWire Power Tool is the gold standard for measuring performance and implementing velocity-based training. The question isn't what does GymWire do, but what it doesn't do. You can perform velocity zones, jump testing, athlete profiling, predictive 1RM analysis, live leaderboards, asymmetry resting, fatigue monitoring, and so much more. Because of the versatility the system offers, coaches can rest assured they're getting the real value for their money. They are the gold standard for velocity-based training with an interface that is easy to follow and a team at GymAware that are always top-notch with their customers. For more information, head to the website gymaware.com or contact the GymAware team directly. No, I, I think I think that's that's great. And and there's a lot to unpack there. And I even saw a head strength conditioning job opened up at a collegiate uh it was at a university. It was listed as head strength coach, part-time pay. So automatically no benefits right. for 16, 16 an hour. And I was like, that is barely minimum wage nowadays. I was, I was, I was shocked and I was definitely, and I kind of went on a rant with my staff and I was like, like we, this is not how it 
is is disrespectful for a, a head position, head position to handle multiple teams and the whole department for minimum wage part time. So, um, but there's also one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and you brought it up a way uh, a little bit further back was you know COVID force. Uh, force a lot of people to do basically what you started out with 20 years ago was just yep. uh, stuff in the, in the house. Now, you know, COVID forced a big pivot in a lot of careers and if not a majority or all, whether it's they coaches change careers or even with all the procedures and cleaning and everything we do just changed. And I know a lot of coaches and, and I mean, you saw it. You, you, you've been around, you know what it is. It's just a lot of coaches lost their jobs just because it was the easiest thing to cut was the, the strength coach. And just, yeah, it, it was, Broke it my was heart. tough. Broke my heart seeing yep. that. Definitely. And there's a lot of coaches that, you know, jumped into the private sector when they didn't really think they'd ever would yep. just because they thought strength conditioning was a secure job. And then COVID proved that wrong. Now there's a lot of coaches either that went private sector or are considering it. What is one piece of advice you'd tell the collegiate strength coach that's considering being essentially a business owner? Cause most places you'll either contract out or you'll buy your own equipment and start your own place. What's one piece of advice for those coaches? Prepare to do a deep dive into business. So you love coaching and when you're at the collegiate level, I don't need to really, I don't want to say I don't need to know business. Cause if you go back to the earliest, earlier part of our conversation, I'm encouraging them to have another aspect, you know, become a strength coach CEO, but you're going to have to invest in business knowledge. And so what I said in the beginning, I purchased that business course, anything that Ryan Lee put out back in the day, I was like one of the first guys to buy it and he knew it. And he goes, Zach, that's why I knew you were going to succeed. He's like, you had this do or die attitude. You refused to quit. And ironically, you know, I'll see coaches who don't want to come to a certification, who don't want to um, purchase a business course, but they'll, and Ronnie, Ronnie Mack says it all the time, but they'll purchase the latest training course on medicine ball training on plyometrics. And when you're in the private sector, you need to grasp business. So you need to also understand before you are going to open a business, if you have no business knowledge, you won't know how to research location, research average income in the area. Does that high school have a strength coach or what's the competition look like around you? Are they doing a lot of speed work, strength work? Is there an area where you could fill the gap? So on and so forth. And so the one piece of advice is be ready to become an expert at business, not just an expert expert at coaching. But that being said, um, I want to follow up with um, you're always trying to become a better coach because ultimately, um, you know, no amount of marketing can cover up being somebody who cannot produce results. And I think that's why the underground strength gym, it keeps growing is because our kids who stick with the program and follow through, they kick ass. And so even if those parents want to keep it a secret, they can't keep it a secret because the, the, the kid is out there in a wrestling singlet, kicking people's butt, or he's playing basketball 
and now he could dunk the ball or he's playing uh, baseball and he could hit it out of the park. So the, it's like their performance can't be hidden. You know, back in the day, a dad would be like, I'm not telling anybody about this place. This is my secret. They'd say stuff like that to me. And I'd be like, oh, man, that stinks because I could use somebody spreading the word. Now, I really think we just do such a great job. And I say we because the coaches are great that I work with. And I put pressure on them to get better. You know, I let it. I don't hide the fact that I'm OCD about cleaning and organizing. And I don't hide the fact that I don't want us to do a good job. Good job is not good enough. Do great. Give these kids everything you got. And so uh, my advice when you coach is I say, pretend you're watching somebody coach your own children. How would you want that coaching to look like? And they'd be like, well, I don't have kids. Make pretend you have kids. What would you want that coach to speak about with your son, with your daughter? And um, that's probably what gives me the hunger to keep pushing my knowledge. You know, yesterday when I was podcasting with Maddie Nickel, he's a good friend of Dr. Ken Kanakin, who does the Swiss conference. And here I am, him too. He's hungry. I'm like, dude, I can't wait to see you. I'm going to come and I can't wait to hug it out with you at the Swiss conference. I'm going to come and see you. And here I am. I've been training since age 13, 1989. I still want to learn. You know, I still want to get more knowledge. And so you got to be hungry. If you're in the private sector, prepare to be a worker, you know, with you're going to be a workhorse. It's even though I'm talking about not not coaching Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I still got to do a little bit of, hey, get that Instagram video out, you know, check up on this athlete, send a postcard to that family. There's still work being done, maybe not on the ground floor. I call it like the behind the scenes work, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. No, I, I, I think that's great. And I think that's a really good piece of advice when, when, you know, when you're coaching, pretend you're watching somebody coach your own kids and how would you want, how would you want the interaction to go? And I, I was just thinking right now, I was like, well, I got kids and I definitely would, they're, you know, doing MMA or they might be starting in soccer and I'll be like, all right, what, if, what do I want to see if, you know, talking to somebody else's kids, Yeah. but, um, think about it. it I it, say, it, think about this real quick. Cause my kids are, my son just turned 13. My daughter's going to be 15. You know, some of the sports they get into is like crazy expensive. And if I see like a coach touching his phone a lot or maybe not showing the energy or maybe not fully, you know, like really engaged, I don't like that, man. And that's why I say to my own staff, look, if you're checking your phone super fast in between a group, I'm okay with that. But if there's somebody, there's people on the floor, your phone is on, should be on. Do not disturb. You're engaged. And I don't care if your girlfriend dumped you. I don't, you know, I tell the kids, look, when I was uh, at the high school, I had a surgery during the uh, spring break time. I had a uh, blood clot happen after surgery, which threw everything into like a loop. And I was coaching for like five weeks on crutches. And guess what? I don't want the kids to worry about my knee, my foot. That's not their problem. When they're in the weight room, it's my time to give it to them. You know? And so I had to demonstrate it don't matter what's going on in my life. It doesn't matter if there's tough times. 
What matters is now with these kids. And I think that's another piece of advice I would give to all coaches, especially if you're new. Sometimes you don't know how to segment your emotions. Something happens with a significant other. You know, I always, the way I relate that is what's harder on your body. The last argument you had with your girlfriend or your wife or 20 rep squats, you know, 20 rep squats are tough and you might be, you know, be wiped out for a bit, but you're like exhilarated. Whereas emotional stress can really wipe you out. And so you have to learn to take those emotions, compartmentalize them, put them away while you're coaching and then come back to them. You got to learn to, uh, shut that stuff off. You know, is that the healthiest or the best thing to do? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but all what I do know is that when kids are on the floor, that's their time. Give them your heart, pour your passion into it. And that will also keep you motivated. I believe for a lifetime to have the energy, you know, when people are like, where do you get all that energy from? It's because I genuinely care. And if you, you know, don't genuinely care, you'll struggle with energy. You'll struggle with it. No, that, that's, that's great. And it, you're giving a lot of, a lot of advice. You're a, a dual edged sword with both business and also like the coaching. And you can see that's why you have such staying power in our, in our profession so far. And, you know, and we'll quickly touch on this is, how has being a, a high school strength conditioning coach changed your perspective on, I guess, everything as far as like development of athletes and the profession? Yes. So, you know, I was working with high school athletes from day one. So in 02, the first kid I trained was a high school basketball player. What was interesting and it was interesting, you know, when you reached out to me to do this interview and Ronnie interviewed me a while ago, when I first got hired at this high school, you know, I was super excited, brand new position, blank slate. They're like, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, empty canvas. You're going to do the whole thing, Zach. When I got there, Isaiah, it was a mess. It was a shit show. I got into this weight room. It was set up for chest and biceps. There was benches all the way down the middle. There were dumbbells thrown everywhere. Nobody put their weights away. You know, every squat rack had different weights on it. This squat rack would have like seven, two and a half pound plates on this side, one on that side, a plate here, three plates there. There was weights thrown in the back of the sport bubble. Dude, it was a mess, a mess. When I got there, I got there October 30th. So I'm coming in at the end of fall sports. I'm coming in when playoffs are starting to happen with football. So the whole thing is discombobulated. I, I, I don't have any teams for two weeks except for football and wrestling jumped right on board. So what the administration was like, just go in there, just start. <laughs> they didn't even like tell me anything. They're like, just go in there, just start like meeting the kids. So I'm in there. I'm introducing myself to kids after school. Cause it's like an open weight room. And I, I'm like, hey, guys, you know, my name's Coach Evanesh. I'm the new strength coach. If you guys want me to take you through a training session, I'll do one on the hour. Every kid said no. <laughs> they were like, no. They're like, I'm good. They're like, I'm on my own program. That's what they said. That Those were the famous words. And I was – and I remember I was like, all right, maybe this hockey player is on his own program. Maybe he's following Elliot Hulse 
or somebody who's putting out information and he knows how to squat. You know, I'm just thinking there's so much information. They know what to do. Negative. Then a base, there's baseball players in there. Uh, I'm like, all right, maybe they're on their own program. Maybe they followed Eric Cressy, right? Maybe they know what to do. Every kid that was in there, no matter the sport, would do a couple of crappy sets and crappy reps of bench press with no clamps on the bar. It would look like a YouTube fail video. Then they would go and curl for like, you know, 20 minutes, 40 minutes. Then they'd leave their weights everywhere. I was cleaning stuff. I was putting stuff away. I come across, uh, you'll, you'll have to remember the guy's name. I come across one of the episodes that Ronnie did for Iron Game Chalk Talk the first season. And the guy says, make the big time where you're at. Do you remember who it was? Who said that? Who said it? You know, I, I think it was either either House was a big proponent of that. And man, because you, you were the first episode, weren't you? No, no, it wasn't me. It, it wasn't me. It, it, House has said it. It's it's the title of it. So I'll, I'll be able to pull it up on YouTube. Yeah, I'll, I'll go double check. So yeah, yeah. whoever that guy was, because for the first two weeks, Isaiah, guess what I was doing? Looking for other strength and conditioning jobs. My I'm telling my wife, I got to get the F out of this place. Like I need to work with elite. <clears throat> I'm coming from working with division one athletes. Um, not only that, six months before that, I spent two or three days working with SEAL Team 6. <laughs> I'm working with the world's elite. I'm working with, you know, a top 10 Division One wrestling program. Then I come here and they just want to do, I'm on my own program. And then when I saw them train, I was ready to like throw up in my mouth. Right? So finally, I said to my, I, li- I hear that episode Maybe I had listened to it before, but I heard it and it came at yeah, the right it, time. Who was it? I see it you. was ep- 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 episode 28. It was uh, Coach Dose. Oh, it was Dose. Okay. Yeah. yeah Make yeah. the big time where you're at. And so yep. I say, F this. I'm cleaning this goddamn weight room. It was a shithole. <laughs> so I took right. all the two and a half right. pound plates and I put them in milk crates and I got them out. I organized every squat rack. Three forty fives, two quarters, two tens, three fives, every squat rack. Then every bench press, two forty fives, two quarters, two tens, three fives. Everything put in the same place. All the incline benches, I brought a group of kids in. I carried them out. I was like, I want this shit out. Why? Because I couldn't coach the kids how to do it. I was trying to coach the athletes how to do bodyweight squats and pushups. They had, they couldn't even see me. Because I had to stand on top of benches. They couldn't You're see a big me. Dude, too. dude, I had to stand on top of a bench to demonstrate squats. The football team had like 70 kids. They couldn't see me. They didn't know how to do a squat or a push-up. I'm telling you, more than half the kids couldn't squat all the way down. So I was like, that's it. I filled out a form for like the uh, grounds crew to remove the incline benches. They never came. I listened to that podcast. I said, I'm, I ain't doing this shit. I grabbed three. I said, three guys on every bench, take it across, take it across the storage. I got rid of it. I opened up space. We had this back. It was like a little, it was like a wooden box. They must've had 30 old 45 pound plates in there covered in dirt, rust, and dust. It was Ivanko plates, York barbell, beautiful plates. So what did I do? I went to the hardware store. And I bought blue spray paint and like a titanium silver. 
our school colors are blue and gray. I took all those 45s. I spray painted them blue. I spray paint. Then I took the quarters, spray painted them silver, school colors. And that just hearing that podcast, it changed my attitude. I said, I'm going to make the big time here. I said, we're going to run this place like a college program. And so then before they would even come in, it was like, here's what we stand for. Effort, attitude, toughness. If you don't put in effort, you're out. If you're not with a good attitude and coachable, you're out. If you ain't tough, you're out. This is what we stand for. And the first team that bought in was actually the very first team that fought me. It was not the team. It was the high school coach. He was like, he was a new baseball coach in our school. Not that he hadn't coached before, but he was new to the school. And he's like, I got a rotator cuff program. I got a core program and a strength program. So I'm like, all right, maybe he studied Eric Cressy. Maybe he studied guys. So he comes into the weight room while I'm training people, yelling. He's screaming over me, coaching over me. They're doing things wrong. They're, they're even backwards on the benches. And I was like, it was like a bad movie. It was like a bad movie. It was like I was put into a YouTube fail video. I go up to him. I said, coach, you got to let me help your kids. He's like, all right, when do you want to do it? I was like, dude, that kid's rowing wrong. That kid's benching backwards. He's banging the dumbbells together. It's going to fall on his face. Friggin' eyeball is going to shoot out. I was like, that kid's doing stuff wrong. I go, you're doing 25 sets of chest. I go, let me help them right now. He, he's like, all right, do it, do it. I bring them in. I start teaching them how to do two things, body weight squats and push-ups. But I heard the words he was using. He kept saying core strength. You know, he was using, you know, buzzwords. I had to learn to sell myself in a place where nobody had to buy anything. The training was free, right? It's free. I'm the full-time guy. You don't have to pay. I had to build trust. Once I got this team on board, then I got a next team on board. Then it was like, I'm four months in. The football team is starting to get big. You see them stretching out of their t-shirts. You see their quads getting jacked. COVID hits. Boom. They come back six months later. Kids were like skinny fat, skinny arms, big bellies. They didn't even... You know, I'm thinking, oh, you're a high school kid. You don't know how to do push-ups and sprints. They don't know. What I learned was at the private sector, I get to build and create my own culture. At the high school, if they're not with me, they lose that. And so it's important to hold that standard very high, no matter where you are. The thing I've always known about high school kids is, because I've trained a gazillion of them, is never underestimate how weak they are, you know, stop worrying about triphasic when kids can't do one pull-up, stop worrying about your speed and agility program. When a kid can't run a lap around the track without having a heart attack, you know what I'm saying? We need to get back to having some general fitness. And so that's why my fresh, like right now we are finishing the fourth week of incoming freshman football. Last year, I did not train anybody because of COVID. The freshman, the freshman coach told me one day, he goes, dude, they're getting their asses kicked so hard. They came in during halftime. 
and three or four kids told me they don't want to go back out because they're scared. Well, why would you be scared? Because you're you're weak and you're not strong. And if you want to get confident, put muscle on a kid. So here's what I've been doing with my freshman football. They do like three exercises, but high volume. So you'll do like a farmer walk. They'll do a farmer walk. They'll do a uh, dumbbell bench for five reps and a dumbbell squat for five reps. And by the way, they didn't even touch dumbbells for, for like two weeks. In the beginning, it was like five squats, five push-ups, five band pull-aparts. So basic. And you'd be like, who, who does that? How does that work? These kids were so weak. But now it's amazing. The end of the fourth week, I saw a couple of kids dumbbell benching the 70s. I got kids goblet squatting the 70s. But for, you know, three workouts a week, five squat jumps, five push-ups, farmer walk, eight rounds, 10 rounds, 13 rounds, just volume of the basics. You're going to do a dumbbell military press for five reps, then hand it to your partner. He does five. Now you're going to curl it for five. Five sets of old school five by five, you know, okay. You do squat jump for five. He does squat jump for five. You do forward lunge five each. He does forward lunge five each. I've got, you know, 30 or 40 freshmen. And then I'd be like, guys, I got to go and watch the sophomores, juniors, and seniors squatting and doing pull-ups in it. So I was like, I want three guys in the middle. You coach each other. And so everybody became a coach and, I learned that from Paul Colodi. He told me, he's like, dude, he's like, this is what you say to the kids. He goes, I go, what's the most amount of kids you train, Paul? He goes, yesterday I trained 92 football players. I was like, 92? Who else was with you? He goes, nobody, just me. I was like, holy crap, 92. And now I know what it's like to train. I've trained 80 to 100 kids alone. The football coach saw it and he goes, Zach, I don't even know if that's legal. (laughs) He goes, I don't know if that's legal, but what you do is you turn everybody into a coach. Everybody becomes a leader. And so that's what I've really been working on, not just at the high school, but even at my own gym is giving kids the opportunity to make choices now. So whack today is Wednesday. I'm going to do a wacky Wednesday. All right. You guys put together the workout and wacky means it's got to kind of make no sense. So it's not going to be optimal, right? They might do a bench press for 20 reps, followed by a landmine press for eight reps, a push followed by a push. You know, the the program design police will arrest me, right? But you know what? I'm giving them an opportunity to do something a little crazy, giving them an opportunity to lead, to make decisions, giving them an opportunity to challenge themselves through imperfect training which if we think about competition, nothing is perfect. I'm I'm competing in heat. I'm traveling and, you know, the opposing team has a hostile crowd or I forgot my knee pads or my cleats and all these little things you're trying to train them for. And so, you know, I, what I want to say though about high school is I think this is a emerging profession and it has a lot more stability. um, And, I get paid better and have a lot more time off. I mean, my salary in 10 months is greater than the salary of 12 months from a major division one university with more vacation time. And guess what? I don't feel bad saying it's good to have vacation with family and wife and kids because when I'm 70, I don't want to say, "Woo." 
thank God I missed out on all those holiday vacations with my family. And uh, you know what? Coaches will, at the collegiate level, will make you think that, you know, you're the antichrist for thinking, oh, man, I want to spend this Friday or Sunday with my family. Like, God forbid they don't have a strength and conditioning session. And guess what? The kids sometimes need a break from you. And not just a break from the train, they need a break from you. So I'm sure by people listening, they could get a feel like I got a lot of energy and maybe I'm a little bit crazy. That's why it's also important for me to have coaches uh, on as the team of coaches who are not like me. Because the underground doesn't need another Zach Evanish. That's a little too much for people, you know, too much intensity and craziness and too much attention to detail. It's okay to have somebody who's different. And so this high school, you know, if you want to be involved as a high school strength coach, without a doubt, you need to be involved with the NHS SCA. And I, I just think what's beautiful about high school is this freedom and flexibility. And you learn so much training with not enough equipment, not the best equipment. You have too many kids. You have a variety of kids. And uh, I have become a much better coach at this high school for many reasons. Those that were explained and training the female athletes who have made me a better coach. And look, I have a daughter, but I remember trying to train like the girls soccer team. Our girls soccer team is pretty high level. You know, they're always like winning the group uh, sectional and things of that nature. But I remember they were talking so much. They would not stop talking. And if it's boys, boys can't work that way. If they talk, they're distracted. Girls can talk and then boom, flip the switch and get right to work. They made me a better coach. They taught me how to be flexible. So I would teach girls how to dumbbell bench. Then you kind of turn your head and then four of them are benching with the bar. And you said, we're not benching with the bar. And they just wanted to try it. And now you realize, you know what? They're capable. Let kids try it. We're sometimes as coaches try to get so perfect. Hey, we didn't do eight weeks of goblet squats. You, you know, you didn't make it through block zero. You don't want to, you know, I always say rule number one is don't argue with girls. <laughs> That's like rule number one. And it was interesting how I would see them do the same thing with a the squat, their goblet squat. And then they say, Evanesh, can we just squat with the bar? And now it's like girls learn so quickly. I taught them how to front squat. I taught them how to clean. They made me better. And so coaching at the high school level, you, you got to be much better. Coaching at the college level, especially for me at the level I was at at Division One, Rutgers and Lehigh, the toughest thing was turning on the lights. When I needed new equipment, I sent an email and the equipment arrives two weeks later. You know, not at the high school. I'm painting the equipment. I'm building the equipment. I'm getting somebody to weld the equipment while I'm trading it for T-shirts and maybe paying for it out of my own pocket. At the high school level, I don't have 12 kids. I have 40 to 80 kids. And so you got to be dialed in with your program design and your coaching. And you've got to be great at teaching others how to become leaders because you can't lead 80. You could lead 80 people, but that's not the goal. You want 80 leaders. I don't want four leaders and 76 followers. I want everybody to be a leader. And 
work, coaching at the high school has made me better. It's made me a better coach, hundred percent. Hmm. I mean that that's that's great. I mean, that's awesome. And just to think that you know, I mean most people would have turned and ran from what it sounded like when you got there, <laughs> they would have been like, Dude, no, this not for me, I, but even I you say, right now, I even saying to, like, make I it big. I yeah. say this. I got there and it was so dirty. I had to mop it like three times in a row. And I remember like, uh, it was so dirty. And then before COVID we were short staffed on custodians. So guess who's the custodian? Mm. This guy. I was mopping. I was vacuuming. I was trying to clean it. Now COVID really, I think, uh, pushed the schools to hire more custodial staff and they do, and they clean on the regular and it has really helped because I'm such a clean freak. But before that, that place was so dirty. It was a mess. Now we're clean and I feel good about it. And I even have a system for cleaning. Everybody's done three sprays on a bench, wipe it down, put the towels up there neatly, organize every like our, our weight room is starting to look like a college weight room. There's two lanes, the kettlebells and the fat bells are organized. Every squat rack has the same amount of plates on each side. The kids know what we'll- and, and look, I'm two years in and guess what? Every day is still a challenge. I still got to get better. So you're never like, hey, we've arrived. And it's never like, hey, we need all these Sornex racks or we need turf. You know, now I need to figure out how to fundraise. These are all the things Ronnie, by the way, has written about and spoken about since the early 2000s. He, he did that when he went to, I think he was University of South Florida. He had to create all these like, clubs and fundraisers and booster clubs and uh you become a man of many things essentially yeah like doing a hundred things yeah no doubt and that's essentially uh that's right in my wheelhouse i've been a a d2 strength coach for the last almost 10 years so it's definitely that's all I've done. That's why I'm shaking my head. And, and, and I was like, yep, I've, I've been there. I, I know what you, what you're doing, but I think that's great that, you know, you walked in and some people would have walked out, but you're like, look, even after all you've done for the profession. And as long as you've been in two years ago, you're like, I'm still going to make it big where I'm I at. Almost quit, I'm going to turn this around. I almost quit. Yeah. And I like to share the downtimes because I want people, you see what's on Instagram and you may not think there are downtimes. For two weeks, I couldn't, I was, I always tell these kids, I go, guys, when you tell me you're on your own program, you know, air quotes, I go, guess what I do? I throw up in my mouth. (laughs) That's what I tell them. But I almost, you know, here I am struggling and I'm like, I'll just, I'm going to work somewhere else, man. I ain't doing this shit. This place is a dump. These kids don't care. These coaches ain't listening to me. I had to build it. Now I got the opposite problem. You know, I had a hundred kids, close to a hundred kids in the beginning of the football workouts for summer strength ignition. These are what we call quality problems where you have too many people, you know? And so it's a testament to now like, Hey man, this works. We're, we're, we're doing good stuff. Am I changing every kid's life? Absolutely not. Do I, am I connecting with every kid? I am not connecting with every kid. There's still some kids that I'm struggling to connect with, 
And that's why I'm trying to get better with my communication and my leadership skills, because I need to get better at that. It's not like at the division one level. Hey, you don't like it. Get the F out. You could go to another college. No, I got to work with these kids here. I got to get them better. And so that's like what rings through my head every day. I'm like, I got to get better. It's kind of crazy, but uh, maybe you got to be a little crazy, I guess, to be successful at stuff. No, that, that's exactly it. And and like I said, I mean, you did this started two years ago. You could have easily been like, I'm Zach. Ash. I don't need to do this. But you're like, hey, let, let, let's let's just I see the big picture. Make it yep. figure it out. Yeah, that's good. Stay and humble. I think that's a, a good testament. Yep. Good testament to you. Now, if you could pick up the phone and call Zach Evan Nash from 10 oh, years yeah. ago, what would you tell him? So ten, I'm 45. I was 35. I would say this. I don't know if exactly, but I would say nothing lasts forever. You can't ride the wave forever. Meaning this, when I left my first teaching job, elementary phys ed, I, I did 11 years. I was maxed out at pay, which was my salary was $94,300 across 10 months. Okay. I left that job. I think I was 32 though. When I left that job, I have never gotten that kind of salary again. And I now, you know, I never would have been, you know, I, if you would ask me 10 years ago, Hey Zach, when you're 45, you're actually going to be working harder and more and doing more. I'll be like, no way, dude, I'm going to have this locked in. And so if you, sometimes you got to be careful of always wanting more, I guess is what I would say to myself, because here I am still doing two things. I'm either teaching or coaching at a college by day, you know, or at a high school. And then I'm running my gym in the afternoon and evening. You know, if I was still at that first school district, you know, I would have been getting somewhere around 106 grand per year across 10 months. And yeah, I, it, maybe it would have been easier, but I, you know, look at the time it was the right thing to do. And I'm going to tell you why, why I made that decision back then. My daughter was young. My wife and I were looking to move out of the area. That area was not the best for raising kids, but I felt that if I was going to be able to inspire my own children, then I had to be willing to take a risk, a calculated risk at the time. My gym was making a full-time income, even though we were only open part-time hours. And my online business was making a full-time income. And then the seminars themselves were making a full-time income. But as the internet evolved, people stopped traveling as much and information become more readily available. So people didn't value it as much. And so if you're in a good place, keep growing. If you're going to take a risk, make sure it's a calculated risk. You know, make sure that uh, if you're taking that risk, that your eggs or your whatever, your ducks are lined up. So when I left teaching, I was, you know, by far duplicating my teaching salary. So I wasn't leaving with nothing. But looking back, you know, let me just be very transparent with the whole salary thing. My high, my high school salary is 70 grand across 10 months. Then I get another stipend doing the summer strength and conditioning. So it comes out to probably around 74. That's, that's still more. 70 grand is more than what was offered to me at a division one university across 12 months. While also I wouldn't have been able to go away during the winter vacation 
And the school district my kids go to, they have a midwinter break in mid-February around Valentine's. During that week, we also travel. We go to Florida. We go to Kiwa Island. So that would be two weeks every year I would miss with my kids. If you want me missing vacations with my kids, I need to get paid a lot more. And I, you know what I'm saying? And I want coaches out there. Look, you got a master's degree. Strength coaches are so damn smart. Let me know anybody else who has a master's degree with two decades of experience who's getting paid middle median salary. Nobody. We, we got to fight for that. And I got to tell you, the high schools are where a lot of it is happening. They're, they're getting paid better than the college. The colleges have the better facility and the nicer and, and, and yada, yada. But guess what? I like not having all the nicest stuff because it, it makes us re- it, it makes you figure out how to get it done without all the best stuff. And I think my, my phone might right. die in a few minutes. I think I got a few minutes. All right. No problem. No. Yeah. No problem. And, and thanks for, you know, keeping it real. I, I, I know one big thing is I don't like to romanticize what we do. So I, I thank you for being transparent. So, uh, well, you know, what, what's next for you? What's something in the next year that you're excited that you got going right. on? So the creation of the strength and sport performance coach certification has got me fired up. Um, I've put an emphasis on some business stuff in there because I want coaches to be ready for this volatile kind of, uh, non-stable career that we have chosen. I hate to say it's not stable. So I'm, I'm adding a lot of business stuff to it and it's a tough cert. It's a hands-on cert because a lot of coaches, I don't want to sound rude here, but they think they're so good, but then I see coaches and they don't blow my mind with their coaching skills. You might know how to squat or deadlift yourself, but I, this cert is taking all of like the little nuances communication skills, little details of progression and regression and creating that relationship with athletes, um, how to do it in the private sector, the college sector. So I'm really digging deep on that. And then the thing that's next is I am being very open to opportunities that come up that allow me to uh, expand the impact, whether it's coaches, athletes, parents help, you know, I basically want to get great information that changes lives. To me, that's always like the minimum effective dose is I got to change lives through this strength and conditioning that we do. So to me, I always feel like strength conditioning is the vehicle for changing lives. I'm not looking at it. Like I used to always think about how do I help this team win? How do I help this kid win? Of course, at the division one level, I know it's about winning, but what if you win, but I don't help this person become a better person? Not that I'm some great, perfect person, but I just feel there's more to strength and conditioning than winning the title. You know, I don't want to be um, related or connected to people who win a lot, but they're rude, they're arrogant, they're disrespectful. I don't want to be related to those kind of people. I think it's nice to be nice. I like nice people. <laughs> and I think that's, hey, there, yeah, there it I is. think that's, yeah. Yeah, we need more of that in this world. Nice people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And where's the best place our, our listeners could tune into you and all the great things you got going uh, on? Free newsletter, zachstrength.com. 
Uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram, Z Evanesh, Z E V E N E S H, and uh, Strong Life Podcast. They could find that anywhere. Absolutely. And coach, I wanted to say thank you. I know we've been trying to yes. get this interview going My for pleasure. a while. And, you know, I, I respect the hell out of you and everything you've Back done over the you, last decade, man. And, uh, it's, 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 it's exciting. And I think our listeners are going to get a lot of great information from everything you shared. So thank you very much fast. for your time. I appreciate you, man, mad respect. And thanks for having me on. I hope everybody, uh, learned one thing and could get a takeaway from it. I appreciate it, my bro. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they, they're going to take a lot, coach. Have a good you one. You too, my brother. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.